Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Deeply of Jesus, will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let Him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. He can refresh you in the desert where your sin left you lost on the brink. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Him, dear sinner, and drink. water of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty come to him will you drink deeply of Jesus will you come to the water of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty been lost in the wilderness, chasing nothing but sin and death. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Jesus and live. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the most magnificent thing I've ever heard. It is without question the most wonderful thing. If we can just begin to understand it. I don't know how to say this to you. 
it's taken me a lifetime to just begin to grasp the basic principles. I've been very slow, filled with arrogance, filled with a hard edge. And some of you listening today, you're still filled with that arrogance. And you're still hard-edged. You have a heart of bitterness and anger. You don't like the way you've been treated. You don't like the way your life is going. But the idea of turning and truly becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, well, no, you're not going to do that. You're too full of what you want. And you've been blinded by the devil so that you don't really understand what Jesus is offering you. If you did, you would rush to him. And I have. Many times I've rushed to Jesus and then been caught in my own wicked heart and become, and I have become indifferent and only wanted to charge forward and do my my plan, my will. Well, it's taken me almost my whole life to finally come to the place where I am now, where I've simply laid down everything in my life and acknowledged that he is the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, From time to time, it's necessary that we renew our vow of absolute obedience to Jesus, of belonging to Jesus, and to lay aside all of the foolishness of our own hearts. We're going to do that today. Some of you listening have been Christians for many years. But you have never really given up everything for Jesus. You have hung on to your secret sins, your pride, the hardness of heart, the cynicism, the bitterness, the anger. Uh I've not been treated fairly. Well, what we need to do is go back and look at Joshua. If there was ever a man of God, Joshua was that man. Oh, Moses, I love. He was the humble man. But Joshua was out there with a sword in his hand and the military strategists surrounding him, praying and asking for direction. And then he went out and fought with his, with his own sword. He accomplished something that I don't think has ever been accomplished 
in all of the time of human history. It was given nations to destroy. Strong nations with some with million a million men in the army. He cut through them like a knife cutting through butter. And he finally had the basic nation laid out before him. If you want to look specifically at that, go to the book of Joshua, and you'll see laid out all of the nations that he captured with his sword, the sword of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we've come to a time when we need to make a very clear declaration of where we stand with this God of heaven, with you, Jesus. We need a very clear declaration of belonging, of being owned. And the pride and the arrogance of our heart, Lord, we need to lay aside. I remember when I was much younger, Jesus, I spent hours arguing with people about names and about events and places. Lord, I recognized I needed to lay all of that down. And I have until somebody jumps me by surprise and then there may be a quick flicker of of anger and pride in my heart. Lord, I don't want that. I want it all gone. And so today I'm inviting everyone who's listening to make a new covenant or renewal of a covenant to you, Jesus the Christ. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I recognize that many of you listening cannot serve the Lord because you still serve your own heart, your own ego, your own knowledge, your own cynicism, your own bitterness, your own hurt. Lord, if it's hurt that's keeping a person, I ask that you would put the salve of the gospel upon their heart right now. That as we share today, that hurt would melt away. They would recognize that they're part of something much bigger than their own personal hurt or their own personal sorrow. Lord, I have sorrow but I've had to give it to you. Lord, thank you for your kindness. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, Joshua had worked for many years with a sword and a shield. He'd worked delivering God's people from the pagan rulers of that land of of Israel. 
And it came time where he recognized he needed to lay it all down. Now, the work was not all finished. There were large sections of the country that were still under foreign powers. And if you look at the beginning of the book of Judges, you'll identify some of those people. So Joshua, in the 24th chapter, assembles all of the people of of Judah, of Israel, to Shechem. He summoned the elders, the leaders, the judges, the officials of Israel, and they came and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all of the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abram, and Norah, Nahor, they lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. But I took your father, Abraham, from beyond the river, and I led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac and Jacob. I gave him Esau. I assigned the hill country of of Sir to Esau. But Jacob and as I as I look at this, what strikes me so clearly is that God is sitting above all of the human enterprise. And he's putting in place certain people, giving them specific responsibilities. I want you to understand today, you have had and now have certain responsibilities that God has placed upon you. And it's now up to you to say, have I fulfilled that responsibility? This morning in my prayer time, I said to the Lord, Lord, it's taken me my whole life to get ready to do what you've told me I'm supposed to do. I wish I could have been quicker, but I was slow. And I was proud. Every one of you has been given an assignment by God. And at the final day of judgment, he's going to ask you, did you fulfill the assignment I gave you? What will you answer? Have you taken on your own assignments? Or have you prayed about and asked the Lord God of heaven about his assignment for you? For surely he has a purpose for you. He has something in mind for you. He knows you. He created you. Now what's so stunning about this 24th chapter is how the Lord phrases all of these things. Like, I took 
I gave, I assigned, I sent, I afflicted, I brought, I destroyed, I delivered. Verse 14, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. And the command is also to love the Lord your God. How do you love God? Surely not with sending a Valentine card to him. How do you love God? You love the Lord God of heaven by obeying him, by doing what he tells you to do. It's not a sentimental jag. It's actually doing what he's asked you to do. We are not our own. We were bought at a price. First Corinthians. So if you, if you go and live with a man or a woman that is not your partner, you are disobeying and you are bringing the judgments of God upon your life. And you will pay a price for that. Price of sorrow. A price of the judgment of God being against you. Well, as we look deeper into the 24th chapter, he says, I brought you into the land of the Amorites who lived east of Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you and took your the land possession for you. When Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, sent for Balaam, put a curse on you. But I would not listen to him. And so I made him bless you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Now, this is very interesting to me. In verse 12, how did the Lord deliver nations and armies? He says, I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Strange for us to think of hornets obeying God, but that's exactly what happened. Do you think God can't send hornets into your life? He can. It continues. I gave you a land on which you did not toil, cities you did not build, and you live in them east. You eat from them. You have groves that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. In other places, Scripture talks about the Lord casting down, dumping great amounts of rain 
on a king who had an iron chariots and mired the wheels so they couldn't move and they had to jump out of their chariots and the Israelites just had them for lunch. Or he'll talk about sending heavy hailstones that killed people when they hit them. The Lord, he controls the elements. And then he begins to go into whole discussion of the renewal of the vow, the renewal of the covenant. It says now in verse 14, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Well, they had what they called pocket gods, tiny replica gods. You see this in the British Museum or other museums. The pocket gods were thought to be as powerful as the actual god. It was the, it was the connection with the real god. And he's saying, throw those gods away. I don't want them in your possession. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites, the whole land you're living in. But as for me and my household, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. Well, what are some of these pocket gods that we serve? Well, you'll find them in your billfold. Credit cards that you use for your own joy and your own supply. You have pocket gods. I'm not saying a credit card is wrong. It depends on how you use it. But we want a God today that we can take with us, a God that we can put in our pocket and carry him, and then bring him out when we want to go through the drive through at McDonald's. We want fast food. We want a God who who loves us and understands that we're very busy and we need a pocket God to take care of ourselves. We fill up on, on our idols with the junk food and the fast food. You can eat on the run. What I see a lot of people do I see him roll through a McDonald's and then sit and drive and be filled by their pocket god. It takes time. It takes time to choose the God of heaven. Jesus Christ will cost you everything in this world. But think about the benefits. You see, when we begin to think about the covenants we've made, 
Do we use our pocket gods so that we don't have to have time out of our busy schedule to prepare food? Understand, words are not enough. If I say, look, we will serve the Lord, those words must be followed. Very intense choosing of what it means for us to follow the Lord. It doesn't mean self-service. It doesn't mean doing what we want to do when we want to do it. It doesn't mean gaming when we want to game on the computer. It doesn't mean watching the television. Sorry for some of you. Some of you have never sat at a dining room table and had a wonderful meal in your home. I've talked to people who who just don't eat a meal together. Mama or Daddy may cook, put the food in the refrigerator, and it's up to the kids to grab and growl as they want to, and Mom and Dad. And when Mom and Dad want to have some time, they'll grab some of their food that they've made and they'll go sit down in front of the television. They don't really consider each other. They don't think about Jesus. I'm hungry. Let's eat. Oh, what have you got? Well, I made this last night. Or I... Pick this up on the way home. And they go and play computer games, watch television, watch movies. They don't sit down and acknowledge before God that he has granted them the food they eat and the blessing they are to one another as they eat together and speak together about what's really going on in their hearts and in their lives, in their schedules. I remember as a boy, one of the most pleasant times was after we'd had our supper, we called it, at night. Dad was a very intense, when it's time to eat, let's eat. So he would usually not talk during dinner. Now, mom would take that opportunity, and she would continually talk during dinner about how her day was. But then after we were finished, instead of jumping to our feet and running off to ride the bike, we would do our best to get dad to talk about those years he spent on the range as a cowboy or his hunting and fishing experience. He was a real outdoorsman. And we would laugh and talk as he would share his experiences. Or he would laugh and talk about 
his experiences at work that day when something funny had happened. One day I went with Dad because I I wanted to go fishing in a fishing hole that was on his route. So I was there with my my fishing pole that I cut that morning and tied the string on the end. Had a bobber on it. And I pulled up a fish I'd never seen before. So I I knew I had to take the hook out of its mouth. But I didn't trust a fish, so I used a pair of pliers. And as I took the hook out, I had to grab that fish. It was slippery. It was a little catfish. And he jabbed that he jabbed that that fin right there in the between my my thumb and my finger. Wow, did it hurt? No, there was poison on that barb. So I sat the rest of the afternoon not fishing, but nursing my hand, keeping it down in the cold water. And finally, Dad came. He said, Raymond, what's wrong? So I told him, oh, he just sat and laughed and enjoyed that story. He said, I guess you don't want to go after catfish anymore, do you? No, I don't. Well, that night we shared that story around the table. Everybody sympathized with me, but everybody got a great laugh. And together we learned. Family is not about TV. Family is not about a pocket god. It's not fast food. Now, there were times when I was out with my mother on an assignment and she would stop the dairy bar and buy me a a dilly bar, a dairy queen and buy me a dilly bar. Or I'd be out with Dad and he would stop on the road and buy one of those tall ice cream cones that I think it was Isaac's. I enjoyed those times. They were times together, too. What I'm trying to say is, words are not enough to say, I will serve the Lord. Because there are many pocket gods that we're attracted to, that we carry with us. And I haven't mentioned the biggest and the smallest of the pocket gods, and that's our cell phone. We can talk to anybody, anywhere. The cell phone has become the chief god of the age. A man stopped by the house the other night, and you know what he had on his wrist? 
He had a watch that talked, that took phone calls. All I could do was laugh. He couldn't be with the people he was visiting. He had to be with the people who intruded on his telephone. Well, Joshua said, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Meaning all of the pocket gods are being left out. We're not going to use those pocket gods anymore. The people answered Joshua, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our forefathers out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled And the Lord drove out before us. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God too. I would love to have seen Joshua's face when they answered him in such a manner. But I think he probably stood silent before them for some time. And he finally said to them, very seriously, you are not able to serve the Lord. You are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. Now, I think you really need to hear this. It's a terrifying statement. You can say, I'm a Christian. I will serve the Lord. But Joshua wants to say to you, you're not able to serve the Lord. He's a holy God. Remember, the New Testament says, In a frightening statement. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You're not going to see the Lord by just casually saying, Oh, I'm a Christian, and then going off and carrying your pocket gods and doing your own pleasure, forsaking the Lord, and being absorbed in wickedness, in the love of money. Now, that's a real pocket God. He says he's a jealous God. Our God cares. Our God is watching what we do. He does not want us to love the pocket gods. He wants us to love him. And yes, we Obey our pocket gods. The end of the month, we have to pay up. It says, He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. 
If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. God has been very good to you. But you've rebelled. We have all rebelled. And we've turned aside from him. But he's a jealous God. And I praise and honor him today because in spite of his being disappointed, he kept coming after me. He kept coming after me. It was like the hound of heaven. I could hear him coming behind me. I praise his glorious name. And that's why I said at the beginning, wow. It's taken me a long time to finally begin to understand that God is real. Well, I knew he was real, but I mean real. Watching, recording. Had a a morning dove build a nest just outside the window of our living room. And I've sat for many hours and watched that bird as first it sat on the eggs, two eggs, and then as it finally hatched those eggs, And then as it as it fed those chicks, carried away their little bags of manure, fed them, mom and dad together, disciplined them, and finally it was time for them to fly. Now We have this problem today as well. One little bird just took off. Mom and dad knew where he was and they would feed him. But one little bird didn't want to leave the nest. Oh, he'd stand up and flap his wings and flap his wings and flap his wings. Didn't want to leave the nest. Mom and dad didn't have room for the next two with that little one in the nest. So finally they coaxed him onto another branch. From there to another branch. But finally Big Brother had to come back and and say, come on, sis, let's go. And they flew off together. And we see them playing together still close to our cherry tree. It's not easy to grow up. Why isn't it simple to just grow up and say, I'm going to serve the Lord and then just do it? We're not made that way. Filled with darkness. Somehow, got to cross over that. 
And we've got to say, okay, enough. I'm going to make a covenant that I will serve the Lord. And here Joshua saying, oh, you can't serve the Lord. Yes, I can. I will. Oh, you won't serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He won't forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you. Oh, he's brought disaster on me. That's what the last five months have been about. Severe disaster with a broken leg, shattered hip. Oh, he's... And I didn't do anything that most of you would call bad. I was just into myself, full of myself. This is about the worst thing a person can do, by the way. Many of you are full of yourselves, full of your own judgments and your own bitterness and your own anger and your own enjoyment of what is available to us with the pocket gods. <laughs> Please don't, don't think I'm trying to offend you. I'm not. They said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Okay. Your witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, I am. I'm a witness against Ray Greenley that he has sworn he will serve the Lord. He said, well, we're your witnesses. You've said you'll do it. Now do it. Joshua then said, okay. Throw away your foreign gods. Literally in the Hebrew, it is turn off your foreign gods. Stop paying attention to them. Turn them off. Yield your hearts to the Lord. Said something Mr. Watson found is the one who authored the book, Something of Gold. And he made the statement, the way you love Jesus is you sink into him. You yield your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people, they knew. They said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God, and we will obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he drew up for them decrees and laws. If you want your decrees and laws, you need to just go to the Sermon on the Mount, and specifically to the Beatitudes. Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law. And then he took a large stone and he set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard the words the Lord has said to us. 
it will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. And then Joshua sent the people away, each to his own inheritance. And Joshua, the the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders. Soon after, the second generation began to turn away from the Lord. Will you serve the Lord? Will you renew right now a covenant with Jesus? If you're on YouTube, go to the chat line. Renew your covenant with Jesus. If you have any pocket gods, put them away. Recognize that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You were bought at a price. You are not your own. Will you make a vow today that you will belong to Jesus Christ and Jesus alone? Are you willing to make a vow that says everything the Holy Spirit speaks to me about, I will lay it down. This is not a legalistic covenant. This is a covenant of and by the Holy Spirit. I'm not asking you to make a covenant that you're not going to ever answer your cell phone again. That would be foolish. It is an instrument of business for the Lord. Most of what happens on it is unrighteous. I'm asking you to cut off those unrighteous parts. It's not wrong to go to a a McDonald's, but I'm asking you to put it in its proper place and proper time not something that allows you to then go on and serve yourself. Be filled with your own pleasure. I want you to honestly serve the Lord. Go where he sends you. Do what he tells you. Reach your arms up to Jesus and sink into his love with him. He will heal you. He'll restore you. He'll touch you with his love. I'm standing by faith that he will soon heal my broken body. But much more than that, I'm standing by faith that soon he will open the door for revival in Washington, D.C. 
and in America. I'm praying that this wicked nation will be so alarmed that it will repent. And if it doesn't, I've read it to you today, he will bring judgment. He will bring disaster after disaster upon this nation. He will send volcanoes. He'll send hurricanes. He'll send a wave of of destruction over this nation. God is not going to allow America, God is not going to allow the modern American church to continue in its wickedness quickly. Make a covenant with Jesus and enter, enter into his rest. For he loves you. You've been rebellious for years. You may not have a lot of years left to be rebellious. And oh, the pleasure found with Jesus Christ. The joy found in Jesus. Now, yes, the disciplines are painful. I know. Oh, being restored to him. What a wonderful thing to experience. So today, where are you? What is your vow? Write it out. Share it. Encourage others to make a vow also with Jesus. A covenant vow. And then as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, update it. Add to it. Let the Holy Spirit dictate what your life is. This is not legalism. Legalism has no place in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is all by faith. It is all by the blood shed on Calvary's tree. But it is also you giving yourself wholeheartedly to the obedience he calls for. And he will give you the power to do that by the shed blood of Jesus. I have a note on my desk. Lord, please shelter me under your blood. Please shelter me under your blood. Lord, people come and go. There's an extreme level of casualness in your people with all of their busy, busy schedule that will only take them to hell. Lord, call them to yourself. Call them to yourself. Call them out of their busy, worldly schedule. And cause them to come and make peace with you. And to lay their lives down before you, O Lord. To become one with you. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your holy name.
Amen. I think those of you who have been pouring your financial resources into the work of the gospel, I take that very, very seriously. And I need others who will do the same to be able to continue this radio ministry, this YouTube ministry. Right now, we have about 2,400 people who contact this ministry a month. Most of those people, I pray they're being touched by the hand of God. Most do not give anything for this ministry. I pray you will. God bless you. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find our mailing address and you'll find phone number. You'll find whatever you need. God bless you, my brother and my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with grace.